Hi, and welcome to another edition of Theories and Thoughts Podcast with your hostess, Anya, and Fancy. It didn't come up for me to share. Oh, there it is. It's sharing. It. Yeah, mine was like, as soon as we came on, then that's as soon as it came up. <laughs> it's ghetto. Anyway, hey, Fancy Girl, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I have... I'm trying to remember what I did. Uh, I must have done anything. I was just really trying to rest. It seems like um, the stuff I did for my birthday really tired me out because we ended up going to dinner a second night that week. So, yeah. So I just kind of hung around the house then with my by my boyfriend, our usual weekend thing. And that's about it. Oh, and I watched BML. Shout out to them because that is a good show. Um I don't always agree with 50 Cent, but I must say his productions do be good. So, yeah. How was your weekend, though? Um, so, me, I, I got Chloe up. Well, Chloe, I got Chloe up, and I was just like, I need to unpack this house. You know, I, I'm still packed. Like, my stuff is still in boxes. And um, I realized something that dropped in my spirit this weekend was... I didn't want to be here because in my mind, this place failed me. Wow. Well, you so know, this place failed me. This is where I endured trauma. And you never realize that. So I think that's the reason why I was so hell bent on leaving. But God said, your time is not up yet, you know, in that environment. And so I started feeling better about my situation because, you know, you can't heal until you really Walk through it. Hi, Christina. Christina. Hi. Christina. I'm sorry. Did I say it wrong? I put it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, girl. But um, you never pay attention to that. So I got um I went out, I spent a lot of money this weekend. Um, <laughs> I got like a little lounge in my um in my in my for my room and a bookshelf. It's going to be a different looking bookshelf than I had in my room before. And I have like an ottoman for my room. So, I'm, you know, do some stuff. I'm going to put the pictures back up on the wall and and things like that. So I um, started doing that this weekend and just decluttering. Went gave away a lot of clothes. Like we oh gave away big bags of stuff. And you know I got so many. I'm riding around with stuff right now in my car. That's what I left out to do Friday night. I was determined to find a good wheel box. Still didn't find it. And I still didn't find one. So the stuff is just, I've been riding this stuff for months and I'm steadily adding on to it. Like I have got to get rid of this stuff. Girl, Chloe was like, TD, this needs to go. Like, And, and it, it helps because she stays on me. That's my baby. She stays on me. So we went and got her a TV. She got a bookshelf. Um, for her TV to be on and I, she was like you can put some of your books in here because my bookshelf that I bought is smaller than the bookshelf that I had so mm -hmm. I love books even though I'm not a reader if that makes sense yeah I, um, I, I'm very comfortable around books but I am more of an audio but I have read some of the books that's on my bookshelf but I always say it's for other people because when other people come, like people have literally took stuff off my bookshelf and it's okay. Like I have a lot of journals. I got all of that. It's not okay for you. 
No, I would not want people taking my books. That is no. I'm right now. I'm replacing all the books that I lost in my storage a few years ago. So really, well, yeah. I mean, like I had one um, when pleasing others are hurting you. I had somebody come over one time, and it was like, "Oh, can I borrow this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, just little things." I mean, it's okay. I buy it for everybody else. Hey, a, P, a priest. Greetings. Hey, um, Enrique, Enrico. Um, <laughs> hey, Tawana. Oh, she's I love. <laughs> I have I have so many too, girl. Even though I listen to them right now, I'm listening to the baddest bitch in the room, um, by Sophia Chang. Chang, so mm -hmm. Sophia Chang. She's um, she was always with the Wu Chang, the Wu Tang clan. Clan. Oh, I don't know her. I've never heard of it. Um, I'm I'm reading Gabrielle Union's uh book right now. We don't have to talk about it. I had been trying to wait, like I wanted to read it, but I was trying to like hold off a little bit because I don't know, but I just love her writing style and it's Ooh. helped pick my book back up and just like, you know, I'm listening to her and I'm like, okay, see how she describes that in detail. And then, I you know, it. I want I her editor because I feel like whoever edited her book would really get my book. Of course, I probably can't get that, but I just feel like the person <laughs> that edited my book the first time, I don't feel like she understood how I was telling my stories and Gabrielle Union I'm like okay I know my stories are good so which which book you on the first one or second one you need something okay so when you're done we need to discuss because there's one thing in there that really 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 touched me in her whole book Tawana which one was it um the Gabrielle Union book or the Sophia Chang book Oh, she said order. Um, yeah, Gabrielle. So she must have said somebody told her about the Sophia Chang book. I love um, Sophia Chang book. Um, the baddest bitch in the room is really interesting. Um, Sophia Chang is a Korean woman who was um, grew up in Canada, but she has such a relationship with the Wu Tang Clan, and she talks about working up through the um, the ranks in the music mm -hmm. business. And she was, she had all these different, she was a literary um, agent. Oh. <laughs> she does, you know, she's done artist management. She was um, Old Dirty Bastards um, manager at one time. She has a really good relationship with Method Man. And her book is on Audi, Audible. And that's the only way oh. you can find it. And um, I heard about her through her interview with <laughs> Jamil Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, yeah. Suggested her book to me. It's it's good, Tawana. It's really good. I'm I'm interested in it. She met this man. He's a monk. She didn't even know. She was she wanted to learn how to do um some kind of karate or whatever. Sitsu or something. And when she met him, she was like, "This is the man I'm gonna be with." And they had children, but they never got married. But yeah, I mean, I'm. It's interesting. It's interesting. okay. That sounds interesting. It is so okay. On to um, interesting things. Eve is pregnant now. Let me tell y'all something, okay? Back in my college days, <laughs> my freshman year in college, you couldn't tell me I wasn't Eve. Like I knew all her music. Okay. I, I rap like if you ever go somewhere with me and Eve come on, I'm gonna rap her song. Like I love her music. And then um, I keep saying that my best friend, my sister, that I call my sister Anitra, Anitra keeps 
tagging me into women over 40 that didn't had children that's pregnant. And she tagged me into this. I said, I need you, you just want me to have a baby for you. That's all. <laughs> you want me to have a baby for you. I love Eve. Like, and I'm so happy for her. Uh, I was excited to see it. I got to admit, the closer I'm getting to 40, the more excited I kind of, I'm kind of like a nature. I like to see these women having um, babies over 40 and then, but I'm just like, a lot of these people going to have nannies, you know, and, and it requires energy to, you know, to raise a child. And that's what scares me, but it gives me hope though. It, so. it definitely gives me hope. I've um, told my therapist that I don't want to have children at all, but I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to see more men who don't have children. And so I'm back to being open to the whole process. Mm -hmm. But again, as I told you, um, I don't know if I told you on air or not, but I am open to adoption. I just, I'm just not, I don't know about the whole I'm child. Saying somebody you should follow. Um, just because uh, she recently adopted. Well, she just recently shared that she adopted. And it is just like the sweetest thing. We can never see the little girl face, but um, just uh, I think her name is Around the Way Girl, but okay. I don't think there's a, a I in the name, and it is just you know, it's just a sweet story, though. I I'm actually would like to interview her. I'm gonna look it up, I'm gonna look it up, I'm gonna look it up seriously because I'm interested in that. Um, I know someone who did foster parenting, everybody always feel like people gonna want me, the children's gonna want to live with me and stuff, but I don't know. That's even when we talk about me going into teaching to my chosen career. Um, everybody's like, the kid's going to want to go home with you. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I want an older kid, though. Like, if I don't have my own, I want a child that's grown, that's kind of older, that they can tell me what's wrong. And I don't have to pay for daycare. So that's mm -hmm. that. All. Please, you could be paying for everything else when they're older. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, look, I got a 20-year-old. 20, 20 so um, speaking of children, Khloe Kardashian, um, Tristan Thompson's baby mama, she came out and she said that whenever people say her daughter is big, she always tell them, no, she's tall because she don't want her child to have a complex, which I applaud her because if we don't be that boundary for that noise in our children's ears, where do they get that from? You know what I'm saying? Because the little girl is tall. Both of her parents are tall. She's not a big child. She's a tall child. And I, I, I can appreciate that. I yeah. Really and also teach, it's teaching her about setting boundaries, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And that is so important. The problem is people look at boundaries and they be like, oh, you think you this? No. How about I just set a boundary for myself? You cannot do certain things to me or say certain things to me. So I applaud her. I applaud her definitely on that. Um, so the Scream Tour. Y'all, little by a while, because I'm going to call him Lil because he's childish. He get on. He just annoys me sometimes. I'm like, just when you think he's acting like an adult, he go back to these childish moments. So he had a temper tantrum online talking about um, how he started this and this, then a third. And then Sammy got on to it. And then um, one of the boys from Spectacular from um, Pretty Ricky said that they are. Everybody wants to be the king. The problem is everybody wants to be the king or uh, be the, the best. First of all, he was talking about how he only get 15 minutes on, on stage and this, that, and a third. It's a hundred of y'all on this, on this tour. It's a hundred mm -hmm. of 
how many minutes you thought? Everybody don't, people don't want to stay there all night. So this is y'all do y'all whole catalog. I'm just well, saying. I did see him complaining. I was still trying to understand. Like I saw the fact that he was like he started this made me actually start trying to understand who really was on the original tour. And from what I'm understanding, Omarion was the original person. Like he was supposed to be when they when they revamped the tour or whatever, like after COVID, Omarion is the only person that was still from the first selection. So well, it really seems like was, the first the first one was Bow Wow. I didn't see that. The way well, okay, you know what though? This was a new Wikipedia uh is, uh what you call it? A new Wikipedia thing. So maybe they didn't have it right. But the way it reads as if um Omarion was the only person that was from the original tour and then he brought uh Bow Wow on with him on this one or whatever. So the Scream One Tour. Scream the Scream One Tour lineup. Let's see real quick. Nick Cannon, Mario, Marquise Houston. I do you know what this ain't even the tour. Wow, B2K. This isn't the I don't okay. Is the Scream Tour the Millennium Tour? Or are they two different things? Child. Like we were really looking this up today. I don't know. Either way, he was complaining, but they said he got on the phone with um Omarion and um and afterwards he was okay. Like he tweeted or got on Instagram or something and he was okay with it. I see Tawana ask question, which generation is going to see them laugh out loud? I not want the same thing. Not I'm not going to see him. And then he brought Angela Simpson on on the um on the stage, and then he been put posting stuff underneath her pictures and stuff. I'm just like, boy, you childish. Go sit down. Go okay. have a go go sit down. Okay, moving on. Um, unfortunate news about um. Let me pull up the story on my phone because I don't want to mess it up. So this week, I could have rolled this into the children's um situation but there was a young boy named Colin we just want to waste um show awareness there was a young guy a young boy named Colin he was 12 wasn't he 12 or they didn't say how old he was yeah um, who inhaled composed air and he died watching he was watching that on YouTube and they said that he can get um that they can get high off of it. So his father made a post and I picked it up off of um shout out to Pretty Shades of Melanin, because that's where I got the new story. And his father actually put it out there and was like, he his son saw something on YouTube on TikTok. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say TikTok. TikTok. And um, he wasn't breathing for 30 minutes. So when he was revived later, he wasn't out of the woods because of a lack of oxygen to his brain because a lack of oxygen causes brain swelling. So we want to send our prayers to his family, but also want to draw awareness that parents, I mean, as much freedom as we want to give our kids, we need to be looking at these TikTok things. Before it used to be stuff on YouTube, wasn't it? At one point before the TikTok came out, people was doing yeah. something we've seen on YouTube. This even goes to the whole situation of slap your teacher. Yeah. I was you, know, you have to um, be in your kids' business. Like I tell people all the time, I get in my friends' business. 
I don't care. I'd be all up in their business because you ain't gonna ain't gonna be something that happened and I ain't I, I just didn't know about it, you know. And I can say that, oh, I just let them do no. So that's the same way we gotta be about our kids. Fancy, you had something you wanted to say today? Um, I was just gonna say, um, well, yeah, initially I was just saying, yeah, it was TikTok and I did think of the um of the other challenge about the slap the teacher, because you know, they end up having somebody like around this way in Louisiana that actually um, a girl slapped a, a special, not uh, a disabled uh, teacher. Um, and so that was like a big thing in the news about a week or so ago. But um, I did try looking the challenge up just to see. And um, I didn't see anything online. And so I asked my daughter about it. And she told me that she think they've now removed all the videos from TikTok. So it seems like they are trying to take some action behind it. But what they were saying is that when he inhaled it, that um, it does like, uh, what is it? The compressed air does something that causes a disconnect, like between telling the brain to breathe. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's that's I mean, that's kind of like what happens when you get choked during sex. Like you go without air. That's why some people die whenever they. I mean, two different things. <laughs> don't don't worry me. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, we do want to um draw awareness to what is going on at Howard. Um, wait. So I want to say before I allow my son to get a special media a social media account, I purchased two books for him to read on the dangers of social media. And I made him write about top 10 things he learned um, that he should avoid. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Lisa said, my daughter is a teacher and the slap the teacher challenge is happening at her school. They better not play with my baby. Tell her, Lisa, tell her, let me know. I'm coming over there. She ain't got to slap nobody. I'm going to slap them for her. Anyway, all right, sorry. Um, speaking of schools, um, we do want to draw awareness to what is going on at Howard and their living um conditions. The students are staging a sit-in, um, sleeping out. Didn't they sleep outside or something like that? They were, yeah. Um, due to the living conditions. So I hate that that's bringing awareness like that. I mean, you have to do what you gotta do, but I hate it's at a HBCU. Yeah, because they said they were complaining of rats and mold. People, one person was saying they witnessed somebody throwing up blood, I guess, because of the mold or something. That's kind of how the article read now. So it sounds amiss. And then to say that their tuition is $50,000, like, ain't no way in hell they should be in those type of living conditions. No way. Not not paying that much because I talk about living in an apartment that they don't fix. But they fix stuff. I'm just saying. I'd be like, I paid too much. If I'm the one most watching, no, fix this. So yeah. Um, so I thought so with them. I hope they get that taken care of real soon. Real, real, real soon, Howard. Um, but we do want to say rest in um peace to Colin Powell. Um, we do know that Colin Powell did pass away yesterday morning. Of course, y'all's um old president, Trump had something to say. I can't stand that man. Like in 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 the reason why, and I shouldn't even be talking about him, but I'm gonna say this: I just like he he has to. It's like he wants to be so relevant, but he's so stupid. Like how you say, um, you know, Colin Powell died, but he did this, then he messed up on that. Like nobody, when you die, nobody ain't gonna talk about how stupid you was. They are gonna say nice things, stupid ass. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh. 
No, I have nothing to say to that. Just rest in peace. Rest in peace. That man annoys me. Anyway, so that is our um things that's happening in communities. I don't I don't want to call it hot topics, but news that you can use, discussion, whatever you want to call it. All right, and here's a word from our sponsors. Rebek Jador. Jador. Jador Awareness Apparel is an apparel line named after my youngest son, Lyric Jador. This apparel line brings awareness to cerebral palsy, epilepsy, autism, and soon adding breast cancer, sickle cell, and Down syndrome. Through fashion, we are able to connect with those who are not knowledgeable about these particular diagnoses. Shop Jador Awareness Apparel dot com and purchase your awareness apparel to help us spread inclusion love knowledge of a beautiful yet often forgotten about community I absolutely love that commercial and they have some real fly stuff. Y'all check, check it out. <laughs> Jador awareness apparel on um, Instagram. She has some, uh, she has some shoes. We, we posted on our, um, on our IG. That was just so cute. So cute. So anywho, we have our guest tonight. Hi, please help me say, how do you pronounce your name? Coletta. Coletta. I didn't want to mess it up, girl, because I messed it up. We have Miss Coletta here with us tonight. Welcome to Theories and Thoughts Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Y'all got a really good thing going here. I like this. Yeah, praise the Lord, honey, because we're trying. <laughs> it's been two years, but we we still doing it. We still doing it. Thank you so much for answering. Um from accepting the invitation Absolutely. to talk about, um, we're talking tonight, you guys, about breast cancer and ovarian cancer. But at first, we want you to tell our audience all about you and who you are and everything. Okay. Like she said, my name is Coletta Orr. Um, I'm a breast and ovarian cancer research scientist. Um, I live in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I've been doing research probably about... Oof, 18 years, about 18 years. Um, I'm also an author. Um, I wrote a book called Cancer Doesn't Always Win, a comprehensive guide to beating breast and ovarian cancer. Um, so, you know, I do research at the bench, but believe it or not, when you, you know, you set out to be a scientist, you think that you are going to be at the bench, but it's taking me all over the world, all over the world. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm someplace every weekend speaking about breast cancer, ovarian cancer, um, mm -hmm. I've, I've been out of the country. I'm all over the United States. So, you know, I'm thinking when I, you know, took this route to be a scientist, it's just like, okay, I just want to, you know, find a cure for this disease or at least prolong life. You right. know? But it's taken me to so many other different avenues and it's just been really great. So, I'm like I said, I'm a scientist. Um, I have a business, Coletta Orton Associates, um, where I support um, survivors. Um, I host events for them. Um, I honor them throughout the year because they are the real ones on the battlefield. You know, with me being a scientist, you know, I'm on the other side of cancer. You know, right. it's always good to have. Um, I don't know if my camera is good or not. I feel like I'm in the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I always try to honor them in some way because they're the ones who on the other side of the cancer and they help me get my message out. They help me be able to let people know the importance of understanding breast and ovarian cancer. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to shout out a black woman that's a scientist, number one, honey. That is awesome. That is so great. Um, I, I actually I have a, a science associates in science. Okay. I'm a science girl, but I'm not chemistry and all that biology. I am a geology. I love earth science. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm not mm-hmm. the rest of that girl. I can't put all that together. Um, <laughs> and um, real quick, shout out to my auntie. She is um, a cancer survivor, a breast cancer survivor. Um, Tawana, say God bless you. Kale- Kale- oh, thank you, Tawana. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So let's get into it. What made you say, I want to be a scientist and I want to target these things. I want to find a cure. I want to prolong life. What was it? Was there a turning point where you going for one thing and then you say, no, I'm going to change it up? What was that like? Um, well, I, I decided pretty early on that I wanted to take this approach. Um, actually, how I got into this, um, my grandmother passed away from ovarian cancer. And at that time, you know, we didn't know what ovarian cancer was. You know, of course, you hear breast cancer, but like, what is ovarian cancer? So, of course, when she got diagnosed, she was already in stage four. It just happened very fast. It just was a very quick process. Less than a year, she went through diagnosis, treatment, surgery, and she passed away, probably all in 11 months. So I know just before she died, I was with her at the hospital and she said to me, she was just, you know, thinking to herself, because she knew it was nothing else they could do. She was just saying to herself, like, why did all this have to happen to me? You know what I'm saying? And when she said that, you know, it just sparked something inside of me to find out why, why did this happen? What, what is this? So, you know, I started my journey on, you know, getting a degree in, yeah, undergraduate degree in biochemistry and then moving to Washington, D.C., going to Georgetown University School of Medicine. And from there, I got a fellowship in breast cancer. I really didn't have an interest in breast cancer, to be honest with you. I didn't, but I had to get it where I fit in. That's all they had available. I took it, you know. So once I started doing research in breast cancer, it was a genetic link to ovarian cancer. They're two sister diseases. And every time I did research in breast cancer, it always take me back to ovarian cancer, always. And then I found out because like my mom, my grandmother's mother was deceased before I was born or and I found out she passed away from breast cancer. Her daughter passed away from ovarian cancer. So now we have a family history. So I had to make sure like my mom, which is her daughter, had genetic testing done. I mean, I got some friends at Duke University that is really good in that area. So I had, um, I met my mom down in North Carolina. We went to Duke. We were there for a couple of days. They ran all the genetic testing to make to see if there was any mutations. She didn't have any, so I was grateful. So I didn't have to be tested because my mom was negative for everything. So that made me automatically negative. Um, but that's pretty much how I got into science. And then, you know, I've been at the bench for a while, but then I wanted to be able to do more in the community because a lot of times people don't understand the language. You know what I'm saying? They don't understand the language of this stuff. So I wanted to be able to, like, my book is so easy to read. Cancer doesn't always win. And I had to make something for the community to be able to understand, easy to digest, nothing too wordy. Because when they, people used to first ask me to come out and speak, Oh, I would have this big PowerPoint presentation. Like I was at Georgetown or something. People looking at me like, you know, and I was like, this is turning off. People want to know how they're going to live. They right. don't care about the medicinal compounds or how I came up with these assay development. They don't care. They want to know how they're going to live for the next two years, five years, 10 years, 
or what have you. So that's my approach. And I had to come up with a tangible way to be able to communicate with my people for them to be able to understand the devastation of this disease without talking over their head, you know. Right, definitely. Um, you you have the um the genet, you know, the, the the lineage in your family, what have you. My aunt had it, her aunt had it. Her aunt had breast cancer. And um, so when I go to the doctor, I'm like, I'm doing, I had my first mammogram when I was like 35 because mm -hmm. I had found a lump. Thank God it wasn't, um, it wasn't anything, but I, mm -hmm. I be checking because I'm like, wait, my aunt and her aunt, let, let's do this. Yeah, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Don't, you know, you, when, when you talking, you know, about asses and this and that, that's going over my head, baby. Tell, tell me what I need to do. I always tell people, talk to me like I'm stupid. Like, tell me, mm -hmm. tell me the, the real nitpicks of it all, because I, I don't, I don't want to comprehend all that. I just need to know what, where I need to go or what have you. So when, what is the first thing you tell people when it comes to breast cancer and ovarian cancer? Because um, I know with pap smears, someone told me before that pap smears are, um, that the, the insurances are starting to tell them to do it every other year or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I get one every year because I've had so many, um, I have PCOS and mm -hmm. I have abnormal pap, pap smears. So I get them every year, honey, because you're okay. not going to tell me I can't. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so what is the first line of defense? What is the first thing, especially with ovarian cancer? What do we need to be doing in order to even, you know, find out if preventive me measures, shall I say? Um, with ovarian cancer, because the disease, um, the symptoms mimic like very typical disease. You, I mean, it could just be, you could have uh, irritable bowel syndrome. It's like the same symptoms, really? but right. So if you, you know, if you are nauseated, uh, you have lower back pain, um, anything like that for like more than two weeks, say for instance, if you go to the doctor, they're not going to, first of all, gonna test you for ovarian cancer. If you like under 40, they think you're pregnant. First of all, they're gonna they trying to they're gonna then they're gonna rule that out. They're gonna think you're pregnant. They're gonna think maybe you have a UTI. All these they're gonna take you through all these things before they get to testing you for cancer. So once you went through that process, I, I always say this is what I do. Like my my OBGYN, I went for him. I went to Georgetown with him. So he's my doctor. And when I go there, he knows for me you're gonna rule out cancer first, and then we'll go to the UTI later. You can get I mean, biopsies on me. And sometimes all doctors won't do that, maybe. But that I have a history of you know breast and ovarian cancer in my family, so I want to be proactive. So when it comes to ovarian cancer, you have to know the symptoms. Like you start bloating in the middle, and think about it. We all women. It's sometimes when you get like more weight in the middle, it's hormonal. When you get a certain age, you automatically get a little you know in the middle because it's hormonal. Right. But if you feel any any type of symptoms at all, you should go to the doctor, right? He's going to give you some medicine to treat the issue. If the issue continues more than two weeks, then you have to push them for something else. Because one thing about ovarian cancer, it's not an outer organ like the breast. Like we can feel our breast and perhaps feel the lump. You can't do that with ovarian cancer. It sits behind our pelvis. By the time you feel a lump, it's a soccer ball. It's that far back. For you to put it protrude outside the front, it's about the size of a soccer ball. If you actually look it up on the internet and just see what ovarian cancer tumor looks like, it's this big, literally inside, at least this big inside of your stomach. It's really huge. So anything over two weeks, any type of symptoms, it could be nothing, but always rule it out when you have any type of like lower back pain, um, 
Like some women uh, say they have painful sex. When they have sex, it's very painful. And it could be symptoms of ovarian cancer. And I always urge women to do that. Of course, with breast cancer, it's different. It's an outer organ. Sometimes you can feel it. But you can't feel breast cancer until you are past stage two because it's just too small. The doctor cannot even feel it if it's not stage two. So you would have to get a mammogram or ultrasound to catch it at stage zero or stage one. It's just not, it, it, you can't feel it. It's just too small. He can't feel it. And a lot of times when it's cancer develops in your body, a tumor to develop, if, if you, I know you've got a little science background, if you understand anything about cell development and cell repair, it takes a long time for that process to happen. So if you got a pinpoint piece of cancer in your body, it might take you, it might take 12 to 18 months for it to develop into a tumor. Oh yeah, it takes a, it's a very long process for that to develop. So usually that's been going on in your body for a while, anyway, for maybe 12, 15, 18 months. It's not like you just caught breast cancer last week. You right. know, that's not the case. Right. But, and then also with breast cancer, you have to think about inflammatory breast cancer. There is no lump. You know, you, you there'll, there'll never be a lump. You know, it's it's inflammatory. What you're gonna look for is just the texture of the breast changes. It's almost like an orange peel. The nipple is inverted. It starts to invert, and that's inflammatory. It's because it's inflamed. So that's a whole different type of treatment methodology. Uh, all that is totally different in how they would treat someone with inflammatory uh, breast cancer. So that's looking at your body. I mean, I know some women say their breast is hot with inflammatory breast cancer. It's hot and it's red, but it's no lump. So you might think, you might say, well, that's saying, I don't know. This is because, you know, you think of breast cancer lump. Breast cancer lump. Right, that's what I want to say. You know, so, yeah. So with breast cancer, wow. you can look at it. I've never heard of inflammatory breast cancer. I've always been taught when you in the back, when you in there, you, 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 um, fill your breast mm -hmm. and I know the textures of my breast because the texture of my breast is different. Like it, it has kind of a, it has a funny texture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why I was like, the doctor was like, I had an Asian doctor before mm -hmm. and I was like, I feel something. She was like, well, I don't think it's nothing, but if you feel like I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this mammogram, ma'am. But now I have a black doctor. Mm -hmm. And anytime I tell her something, she stops and she said, okay, so now tell me more. Right. And, I, and, 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 you know, people always say, well, is there a difference in having a black doctor and having it? I find that having a black um, physician, mm -hmm. like as my PCP, mm -hmm. it makes all the difference in the world because she's actually listening. So if I tell her I, my breast is sore, she's going to ask me where well, something coming out of it. You know, she's asking me all these different questions right. and I'm like, okay. You know, because I've but you just inflammatory. I've never heard of that. I wonder why we never learn about that one. I guess it's just easier to talk about the lump. Right. It's just easier for you know for us to be practical on our own feel for the lump, feel for the lump. But inflammatory, that's a whole nother beast. Inflammatory breast cancer is a whole nother show. You know, it's just the breast looks different, it feels different. But what you're talking about with your breast, it might sometimes your breast feel lumpy, it's just very sometimes it could be calcification. You know what I'm saying? Like a calcium buildup in the breast ducts. Sometimes mm -hmm. it makes it feel lumpy. But of course, you have to go to the doctor. You have to rule it out and mm -hmm. say, yeah, it's calcification. But yeah. that happens. That happens a lot. Um, that's another point I want to bring up about breast cancer. Oh, no, about going to the doctor. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, black, white, green, purple, I don't care what color your doctor is. Sometimes I find that doctors don't take women's health seriously. Mm -hmm. in the whole. They just don't take us seriously. Like, 
when we go to the doctor and we say we have these issues, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're being brushed off or it's just not, they're not taking, I don't feel like they take women's health as serious as they should and definitely not black women. Mm. You know, as serious as they should. That's why you have to push them. Like my, my doctor, like I had my OBGYN, um, he delivered my son. He, he's been around for a while, but like I said, we went to school together. I mean, he's white, but I know him. We had a relationship before, you know, even before I know him. But had I not known him, I don't know. You know, I don't know what it would, what it would be like. You know, right. but it's and I always tell people if they want to find a good, good doctor, like a good OBGYN, find you a doctor that is anywhere from, like, say, 50 and under. It's nothing wrong with getting you a doctor. If somebody just, uh, if they graduate, they graduate from med school, say 24, 23. So somebody else, maybe 35, that's a good right age. You know why? They hungry. They want, they very excited. See, I went to med school with these people. They very, I want to find this cure. Oh, I have this patient. Oh, she came in. They excited. But when you get those doctors at 67, no age discrimination at all. Don't, don't take it like that. But right, no, no, no. They're tired. They tired. They burnt out. They tired. You know, they try, they see patients like assembly line. Oh, let me see the next person. It's good to get somebody young and fresh. My dentist, my dentist is like, I think she's 33. She on fire. She's on fire. She's excited about teeth. You know, it's exciting. <laughs> it's always good. I'm thinking, don't get somebody burnt out. Because when they're young, when people start medical school and start getting advanced degrees, we do it because we want to make a difference. So they still excited about it. They, they want to get to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. When you get somebody older, they tired. You know, they. Not, I'm not saying they're not gonna do their job, but they're not as motivated. Right. They're not as motivated. You know. My 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 first one, she was older and she retired. And mm-hmm. the lady that I have now, she is a black woman. I searched for a black woman, and mm-hmm. she's she's not old old, but she's 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 probably in her fifties. But mm-hmm. she's she's on it. Like she even asks. Um, Psychiatric questions. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, Lisa says she um had a mammogram last week. Congratulations, mm-hmm. everything came out really good. Mm-hmm. Tawana said all her doctors are women, and if she feel like they don't listen, she switched quickly. Yes, ma'am. She said, facts, I work in healthcare, and these young doctors are heavy into research. Older doctors are set in their ways. I'm with you. My dentist is actually a younger, um, is a younger man, but mm-hmm. his dad was a um was a dentist. I mean, mm-hmm. was a dentist as well. But he's a white guy. So all my doctors are not all black. Mm-hmm. And my um, OBGYN, I've been going in them for 13 years. And mm-hmm. the lady that I use, she she's young too. So I think there's something to that. Because they're more on fight. Because I do see the difference now, especially when you said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're excited. They're still excited about their, their career path. And it's new to them. And they feel like, oh, I got these patients. You know, let me get to the bottom of it type attitude. You know. Right. Fancy, you have anything? Well, so what I'm trying to understand, so you more so work with um, just when you work with people is are you coming from a aspect of preventive measures or actual those who have been diagnosed and like how they can, you know, I'm just curious because when I started and I, and I could just be looking at that from, you know, I look at everything two ways. And so this would kind of spark that question. I wasn't certain if it was both or if it was more so um, like those who have been diagnosed and then them just how they're going to be able to live on afterwards, you know, how their life is going to change. It's actually both. It's actually both. I mean, I look at it from, because see what you, what people don't understand, like with cancer, it's hard to get people in the room for prevention. 
people don't really care about cancer till they're on the other side of cancer. So that's why my population of like followers and clients, they are survivors because they understand the significance of this disease. You know, if you don't have an aunt or a mother or a sister or a cousin, somebody that means something to you that's been diagnosed before, it doesn't trigger you to sit down and be a part of a prevention conference. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it just, you can't get them in the room. You see what I'm saying? So usually you can get the survivors in the room and they bring a lot of people in the room that, that care about them that's never been impacted by cancer except through someone else. So I do, I, and I use that time to talk about prevention, you know, the importance of breastfeeding, you know, why you should breastfeed um, your children for at least two years because uh, during that time when you're breastfeeding, your ovaries are in a resting state. And that reduces your risk for developing ovarian cancer because when you're not, when you're ovulating, it's like, you know, you know, you, some people get a cycle and they're 9, 10, 11 years old, whatever. You're ovulating from the time you were 9, 10, or 11 till you, menopause, what, 55 or whatever the age is. So the more children you have when you're pregnant, you're in a resting state. You're not ovulating. When you're breastfeeding, you're in a resting state. So anytime you have an opportunity to get your ovaries in a resting state, it reduces your risk for developing ovarian cancer and breast cancer. So it's just like they don't even they don't have that knowledge. They're not going to sit down and listen at anyone to tell them that if they're not on the other side of cancer. We had Portia come on. Um, when was that? June, June or July? It was July, and she talked about um, breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So oh, wow. we had someone come on and um, talk about breastfeeding. So that's an interesting point that you just pointed out that you're ovaries is in a, a resting state. Mm -hmm. um, so prevention and prevention um, thoughts. What can we do to prevent? What and um, wait, Tawana said the most pe um, that part, most people are not interested until they are directly impacted. And mm -hmm. I think I started being interested because I heard so much about it, even before my aunt had it, mm -hmm. I heard so much about it and it could be because her aunt had it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so when we're speaking prevention, what are things that we can do? I know we hear so much about um, breast cancer, but we don't talk a lot about ovarian cancer. So if you can start with that one, what are some things that we can do to prevent this? Okay, so when you say prevention, uh, it's really nothing we can do to prevent ovarian cancer or breast cancer. All we can do is reduce the risk of developing the disease. Because if you have breasts, you can develop breast cancer. If you have ovaries and fallopian tubes, because that's really where ovarian cancer starts, it starts in the fallopian tubes. But if you have those two things, you can develop it. It's nothing you can do to say, well, I'm going to go vegan and I'm never going to get cancer. Just okay. not possible. You can only reduce the risk. And what you would do to reduce the risk of developing like ovarian cancer and breast cancer my first line, I always tell people, you need to know your family history. Who in your family had cancer? Did your mom, your dad, your daddy, mom? You need to find that information out. Because once you find out your family history, your doctor can manage your health differently. And how he does that, you can get more mammograms done. You can get more mammograms done a year. They approve it, approve it through your insurance. You can get more than one mammogram or they might say, you know, no mammogram, you're going to get an ultrasound because you have a strong family history. You're going to get an ultrasound twice a year. So they can manage your health differently. So if something does go wrong, they're in front of it already. You can do the typical things like you do everything else. Of course, exercise, eat right, you know, preventive stuff like that. That's typical what you can do. But that's the only thing you can really do to reduce the risk of developing 
breast or ovarian cancer is doing your maintenance, just like with breast cancer. If you, it's many people that don't even have a family history. Maybe I think 85% of the people that's diagnosed with breast cancer don't have a family history. Nobody in their family have cancer and they develop breast cancer. Why? How? You know? So you have to be proactive, get those mammograms. I know it sounds cliche, everybody is pushing it, but I'm telling you, I have seen women never go get a mammogram and you go to the doctor, go to see a radiologist and have the uh, well, uh, radio radiology technology thing and uh, get a mammogram. They walk in there, they got stage three, they fall out, fall out in the office. Wow. Never had a mammogram. It was not proactive with their health. They can't even handle it because they, they, they just don't go. You know, I knew a lady, her mom had breast cancer. Two of her sisters had breast cancer and she never had a mammogram. Well, what? Like, what? girl, well, I, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, um, because I did, you know, do a little bit of research before coming on, and so, um, I saw that thirty-one percent of like the wait, how was it? African African American women have a thirty percent breast cancer mortality rate, and I just wanted to know. Um, you know, because now it's like we we are talking more about awareness. There's something about breast cancer going on, you know, every year, but there's also a lot going on throughout the year as well. So do, is it that black women still aren't going in for exams or I mean, like, is like it just still seems like there is. Do you still think there is a disconnect that we're still uneducated, which I will say this has been this conversation just has really taught me a lot that I hadn't even realized, you know. But what do you think? Um, I think, you know, that's that's a, that's a good point, because you would think uh, a lot of times, you know, when they do when I got a lot of colleagues and they do, you know, they breast cancer research and they look at it, they attribute African-Americans that have a higher mortality rate is because we aren't going to the doctor or we are going late or many African-Americans don't have insurance. I have the adequate health care to follow up with these things. That could be true. But for me. This is just me doing research and from what I think, and I think I even need to do more research in this area. I think it's a, I think we are bio, biologically different than white women. I think we are biologically different because I know a oncologist from Howard University. She is a breast cancer surgeon, has stage three breast cancer. She got the knowledge, she got the money, she got the insurance, she's surrounded by people that can save her life, and she battling just like anybody else. So it can't be because lack of knowledge, lack of money, lack of insurance. She's right there at Howard University, stage three, and she's a breast cancer surgeon. So wow. that's what I'm saying. So you can't, they can't just write it off because all black people are not like don't have health insurance or don't have access to care. Because, like you say, with breast cancer, it's just like Boom, it's all year long. Get a mammogram, get a mammogram, get a mammogram, you know, you right. all year long. But, you know, people hear it. But I think it's I think a lot of people are going. But it's just a, it's just it's just a high. It's like more people are getting diagnosed with breast cancer. It seems like more than ever before. Like it's a high rate of diagnosis. But on the flip side, we have about two point three million cancer breast cancer survivors in the United States. So they are living longer for sure. Right. It's almost like breast cancer now and something. It's almost like having diabetes almost. It's like so many people have breast, but they live. I mean, you you do have people that, you know, succumb to breast cancer for sure. 
Right. So a lot of people. We got 2.3 million survivors. Once upon a time, that was a death sentence, automatic. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, real quick, I did want to um draw knowledge because she put it on here. Um, Lisa, she was my old assistant, our old assistant. She just while we're talking about cancer, she got a phone call that her stepdad passed away from pancreatic pancreatic cancer. Um, I did just text her while you were talking. You probably didn't see because my phone was down here just to tell her, sending her our love and our support. Our condolences go to her. Um, go to her family. Wow. But one thing I wanted to say was, I often thought that the reason why. So many people, when they find people not finding out soon enough, is because they're afraid to know. But you just said that this surgeon. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know she's getting tested. I mean, you know, in different things. Could it be chemicals that are in that's in our foods? Um, they're trying, they're using different things. Could it be stuff like that? The chemical mm -hmm. makeup of our food, the stretching, the um cloning that they probably doing that ain't telling us. I think, I think it's I think it's all of those things. I think it's uh it's a whole gamut of things that can cause this. You know, I know uh it was the director of the uh National Cancer Institute. He's the director of this facility. I mean, he he's a million dollar man for sure. His wife died from ovarian cancer about four years ago. So people always like. Oh, I know they have a cure. It's just like a pharmaceutical want to make money. I said, well, if he could have saved, he would have saved his wife for sure. Listen. He would have saved his wife. And she she gone. You know what I'm saying? She died four years ago. And he is the director of the National Cancer Institute. Right. The federal entity of national cancer in the whole United States. His wife died from ovarian cancer. Right, so, right. Right. Um, I definitely agree with Know Your Family History. I had to ask my mom. I was um, having some issues and I just told my mom, look, I need to know why you had a hysterectomy. hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. um, my aunt who actually had um, breast cancer, she had to have a hysterectomy too. Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, why? I need to know why. Because mm -hmm. y'all playing around and I got these issues going on and, you know, and different things. Sometimes it's hard to get that family history, but y'all pry into it. Even mm -hmm. when my father, um, I'm, um, I'm his power of attorney. He has dementia and uh, Parkinson's. And I'm like, okay, let me find out even more because I feel like if I'd have been in his business a little bit more before, mm -hmm. I could have, I couldn't know some of the things that I'm being asked mm -hmm. about yeah. him and his, um, and his life. So you guys, we have to be upfront with our children. You know, I tell, I try to tell my niece Chloe. Um, about my business things that she needs to know, and we have to really have those. Com it's hard conversations. It is. It's hard conversations to because you don't want your child or anybody to be, oh, you know, feel sorry for you or anything. But it's not diminishing who you are to them. It's just giving them that knowledge so they can go and talk. Because I let me tell you. I didn't know that one of my aunts had, I have um, a, a nodule on my thyroid. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that my aunt had that. Like, she was like, yeah, I had someone. I'm like, I need to know these things now because here I'm going through stuff and having issues and don't know that it's, you know, things in my family. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not cancer, but still in all. So if I can say anything, y'all, make sure y'all tell y'all children, even if y'all parents didn't tell y'all, y'all tell them what's going mm -hmm. on with you. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and with um, I saw on your website again, uh, Coletta, that with the holidays approaching, that about like discussing your family history during the holiday time, and I think that that's a perfect, you know, that's a really good right. idea because that way you have everybody together in one place, right. um, and can you know. But I do understand how some people might have concerns about sharing that type of information. It seems like especially um, older people don't like to do that sort of thing. It's as if, as if it's a weakness or something like Anya said. Right. I know usually like in the, I had, um, in the summer months, I actually like people would get me to come out to like family unions pre-COVID. They would have me come out to family unions and host a workshop to try to gather their family history for them. You know, it just, I think it's a good, I, I thought it was a great component to add to family reunions. Mm -hmm. the time we have everybody together. If you can just get them in the room together for about 30 minutes and just get that information together and you can leave armed with information. Oh, I didn't know Aunt so-and-so passed away. I didn't know, even if they already passed away, somebody there knows what happened. And that's a good, that was a good way to gather information. And it was, it's a hit like every year when I do it and I have opportunity to go to family reunions and eat all that good food and then talk about the family history. So yeah. Right. right. That's I mean definitely that's that's something very interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I would have never thought that to bring somebody in to come in and we gather the information. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to hit these um history places, we can come in, talk about the family history and the health history. Mm -hmm. Um so I brought up a really good um thing. People don't talk enough about men having cancer and what um and it happens often. So mm -hmm. we have men who have breast cancer. Mm -hmm. How often do we see this? And um men usually have about two percent of the whole um population of breast cancer diagnosis. So if you have like um, 320,000 women are diagnosed every year. It's about 3,250 men are diagnosed every year for breast cancer. Um, it's a guy out in Tyson Corner right now. He's battling breast cancer, like stage three something. Because a lot of times, you know, men, they're not checking for breast cancer. You know, I think he was playing basketball. I think he thought he pulled a muscle. He was going up. He thought he pulled a muscle. It was like not, not, and it just kept growing and getting bigger and bigger. So you can't feel it until it's already stage you anyway. So by the time he actually thought it was a pool of muscle, he went to the doctor. It was already in stage three. So he like going through chemo. He's had surgery, all that. So yeah, it happens to men. It definitely happens to men. Is it as common within black men, like you know, as uh, as opposed to other ethnicities, or can you can you say? Um, but you know, being that it's just it's this very um, this because it was such a small population of men. I mean, even thirty two hundred right now. In the grand scheme of things, it's still a small number. So they are they are doing research on it, but we don't have like a whole lot of data like we do women. Um, mm -hmm. But I know it, it does happen in black and white men. I can't I don't know which one is more. But you, if I don't know if y'all know the actor uh, Richard Roundtree, he had breast cancer. You know Beyonce dad had breast cancer too. I know y'all probably saw that. He I, I knew Montel Jordan had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the only man that I knew. I didn't know Richard Roundtree and um yeah, Matthew Knowles. Yep, he had breast cancer. I think he came. I think he said it last year. He announced it last year doing breast cancer awareness month. And I think he got diagnosed like maybe last summer. Um, but yeah, he came out. So he had breast cancer as well. So it's getting more prevalent. Wow! 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 That's interesting. Um, you know, just to have the men because I think men tend to feel like they're 
they're not super because they had, you know, they have breast cancer mm -hmm. and they have pinky, um, have other um, types of cancer. Well, I want to thank you for coming on once again. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we talk about? Um, I just want to just add, um, you know, I know the pandemic is going on right now, and I just want to mention that, you know, the mam mammogram use that people get mammograms, we down 86%. 2020 and 2021, 86% decrease in mammograms. Breast cancer is still going. It's still going. People still getting diagnosed. And when you're not getting your mammogram, it's just going to be a more advanced stage when you do go back. So people are not getting them because of COVID because they're just not, people worried about getting COVID right now. They're not thinking about getting a mammogram. So I just want to add that in, be down 86%, like a drop in mammogram appointments. Wow. So so go ahead and get your mammogram. Since I had mine at 35, when should I get my next one? I'm 40 now. You should get it now. <laughs> 40. You should get it now. For sure. I can contact my doctor so I need a referral. Well, I probably don't need a referral because I got PPO. Okay. Somebody. <laughs> because, you know, I'm really, and then my grandmother passed from lung cancer. So, mm. I, yeah, I'll be on it. I, 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 need, I need to know all y'all business. Um, so, Miss Coletta can be reached at www.coletta. Um, or C-O-L-L-E-T-T-A-O-R-R.com. Mm -hmm. She's Dr. Coletta Moore. I'm sorry. I didn't even address you as doctor. Mm -hmm. I didn't even put it on the fly. I'm sorry. Okay. Coletta, um, or we have people who be like, put the, put all my, my numbers and stuff. No one cares. She <laughs> <laughs> um, does have a book. The name of the book is, what's the name of the book again? I'm sorry. Uh, cancer to always win a comprehensive guide to beating breast and ovarian cancer yes 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 so that we have that one cancer doesn't always win she is facebook when breast cancer meets ovarian cancer mm -hmm. facebook and um ig is wants to come back around um ig is coletta or so Twitter is Coletta or as well. So you guys contact her, get that book. Matter of fact, I'm um I think I'm gonna buy a book and then we're gonna give it away. <laughs> and some nice. kind of fun. Yeah, I'm gonna um reach out to you right after this and buy a book. Sure. Right. To your, um to your business and so we can give it out to someone. Um again, thank you so much and um for all the information because that was true, you know, because people were like, well, preventive measures, this, that, and third, and you, you just kept it real with us. So I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. 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 That was a good conversation. But yeah. Oh, my heart stopped when she when she posted, and we're seeing. Um, yeah, I seen that you had said that we're um that we're sorry to hear that. And she's not prayers. Um, so um, what do I have coming up? Um, seriously single is tomorrow. My singles my singles conference. Seriously singles, um, conference is tomorrow. It will be on my lady CEO YouTube page. Um, I decided to not so much do it to something else because last time um it didn't record on zoom even though it was yeah it was on zoom it didn't record and just last week it was just like just doing on youtube so it will be on youtube i have two excuse me i have two um panelists one name is i am patrice johnson she is a relationship blogger and i have ike i can't pronounce his last name however he is the author of my um Mama Crush Wednesday, both of them. So 
Check us out tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on Lady CEO Media YouTube page. You can find out all my information at my website, www.ladywithaneyeceo.com. Also, um, on Clubhouse, I haven't been on Clubhouse lately, but on Clubhouse, it is Lady CEO. And if you need to email me, you can email me at Arnya, A-R-N-Y-A, at LadyCEO.com. If you have any questions or any suggestions, thank you, Tawana. I'm so glad that you um that you joined tonight. Um, if you have any questions about anything that, that's happening on the show, any topics, any suggestions, if you would like to even be a part of the show, please email us at theories and thoughts at ladyceo.com. Come. Also, don't forget to subscribe to um, Theories and Thoughts brand on IG. Fancy. Hey, and um, you all can find all things Swagger Magazine at Swagger.net. Of course, you can find me at Fancy Swagger on all platforms, um, including Clubhouse. And um, I just want to remind you all that we are hosting our uh, Bosses Link Up event, which is a virtual networking experience. Um, I'm dropping the link here um, in case you like to purchase tickets. And we do still have vendor opportunities as well as uh, in-kind sponsorship opportunities, like if you want to donate something for the games available. So um, you can email us at advertise at swagger.net if you're interested. I don't have that on there. But if you reach out to us via the website, then, you know, of course, we're going to see it there. And then there's even a chat on the website as well. So you can ask any questions. And um, I think that is everything for me. Yeah. That is everything. Um, we're really excited because season two of Theories and Thoughts, Deep Dive will be dropping really soon. We can't... Um, we're excited. We can't wait. That's what I wanted to say. I was about to say. We can't wait uh, for you guys to see the new trailer and everything. Um, thoughts and prayers to Lisa's family. Thoughts and prayers to those who are battling ovarian, um, breast cancer, all any, anything out there. Just peace and blessings um, to you guys. All right. Bye.